Welcome to River's Edge Church Podcast. Each week we strive to bring you biblically accurate, exegetical preaching of God's Word so that you might belong, believe, and become like Christ. We hope that you will find this week's message beneficial in your walk with Christ. I already knew the day's topic was going to be tough, and I was like, man, we're going to be talking about a hard thing, and then, you know... (laughs) I blame Pam, okay, of all the people here. <laughs> you did this when you started telling me the same thing Aaron's been telling me for years about the Holy Spirit, and then she had a collective unit that you could beat me with. And the Holy Spirit has been, I'm going to tell you right now, guys, uh, I, I would love to sit here and tell you I got it all figured out. Hopefully you realize it don't <laughs> by now. Um, but, man, it, it God has been doing stuff despite my retard, just my complete stupidity. The, the most difficult thing has been, like yesterday morning I got to speak at a men's breakfast about biblical manhood. You talk about not wanting, like feeling like the world's biggest hypocrite, sitting amongst 25 other men going, hey, you should be a man like the Bible says. And I felt as low as you can get. But God still used it. And so the encouragement, I guess, that there's silver linings amongst these rain clouds is that God will use us even in our absolute weakest. And I think sometimes we just have to actually get crushed. And I, I mentioned this earlier to, to some of the guys. Like, I've been crushed by the world. The world can crush us. And it's just disappointing. You know? It's disheartening. But, man, when God crushes you, it is something completely different. It's a sorrow. It's something that's deep, and it resonates, and there feels like there's no escape. But the difference is, is on the other side, I've always found grace. And I trust that God has grace. I trust that. I trust that he is good, even when I can't be. So we're going to talk about a really difficult topic today. Um, We're going to talk about depression. Uh, we got a a three-week series. And, um, you know, it's it's very interesting because (laughs) I've grown up my whole life in church. And I can tell you I have never once seen a sermon topic about depression. I just, I haven't. It's, it's, it's a dirty word, right? And uh, the Western church in general has just kind of avoided it and similar topics. Maybe, and, and there's probably good reason sometimes. I mean, to be honest with you, it's daunting. It, this is not an easy task to, to take on. There's a stigma around it culturally that we deal with in the West, and, it's, and it looks like perhaps that's changing. You know, there, there's been more and more people talking about depression. There's been more and more people addressing anxiety and worry and fear. And, um, but regardless of that, it's in our experience in this reality, we will all suffer from um, some form of... Thank you. Now you're going to make me cry some more. I don't appreciate that. Give me a minute. We all experience depression. Now, I say this cautiously because there are gradients to this. This is, this is not a you know, bucket where this bucket is depression and we all get the same bucket. This is a scale, okay? And some of us, some of us, we get glimpses. We get, we get, a, we get a bad season, you know? Um, 
from a personal perspective, depression seems like a foreign language. It always has. And for most of my life, I had no idea what depression was. And really, uh, until I lost my father, I don't remember a time where I was severely struggling with grief and sorrow and depression. That was the first real experience. And it was so foreign, I didn't even know it was happening. <laughs> like that's, that's how completely out of the context I was. Uh, I just didn't even know it was a thing. I just thought, oh, I'm just sad. <laughs> just a little sad for two years, you know? That's normal for everybody. So there, my experience with it is, is not from a sense. And then I know other people. In fact, next week, I'm, my wife Erin's going to come up. And we're going to talk about that. We're going to do a Q&A. And, and Erin's going to talk about her experience with depression. And it's far deeper and different than mine. And, and I hope that you're encouraged by it. Um, because uh, I'm not great at knowing how to handle depression. I've, I have learned. Uh, the little bit that I do know has come from immediate firsthand context with how do you care for people with depression. But this is what we do know. There have been a lot of studies recently. Gallup does a really big study on depression. And it says essentially today's culture, since 2020, 30% of people experience depression in their lifetime. 30% have a recognizable, understandable, very clear experience with depression. The World Health Organization recognized that over 280 million people worldwide wrestle with depression. It's a lot of people. But no matter what your personal experience is, depression is a part of our experience in this broken place, in broken bodies. Like it is, it is just a part of what we're going to go through. And um, it's noteworthy that we explore this because God, when there's this part of the Bible where Christ says, I'm going to give you life and life abundant. And a lot of times we think that that means I'm going to give you blessings and blessings abundant. <laughs> we, we have this concept, right? But the reality is, no, what it, what it truly means is, is you're going to experience all that it means to be a, a human, which means you're going to experience all emotions. And within that container of emotions are things like anxiety, fear, worry, and depression. Um, this week, today, we're going to work, worry about defining it. I think it's important for us because maybe, maybe we haven't all been in you know, some places where we have a good grasp of biblical understanding of depression and what it means. So I want to help us define that um, and, and what is and what isn't depression. And then what does the Bible kind of say about that? So I do have a verse today. I wrestled with what one I was going to use. I went with John 16, 33, um, because I, at the end of the day, my most important thing is that if you are struggling right now, that you leave encouraged. I, I want to make sure you're leaving encouraged because there is hope. You have a hope. So this is in John 16, 33. It says, I have told you these things so that in me you might have peace. You will have suffering in this world. I'm going to repeat that because it's super. You will have suffering in this world. But be courageous. I have conquered the world. We're going to come back to this verse. But I, that I want that to be an encouragement for you. So... I was wrestling with the idea of, all right, what, what do I, what did I used to think about depression? Like, what was the thing that I thought about when I thought about depression? And, and what were some of the things growing up that I heard? And so if some of these are a little familiar, um, hopefully they're an encouragement. It is a little daunting because I know at least three people here have counseling degrees, by the way. And I was like, yeah, they're definitely going to know if I'm wrong somewhere. <laughs> so I'm doing my best. Okay. Um, but one of the things I remember as a kid, hearing and then thinking, all right, so forgive me, 
Um, depression is, um, it, it was related to or is itself a sin, right? Um, and, and so depression is not a sin, and it's not correlated to your sin per se, okay? Generations ago, this is how it was turned. This is how it looked for the past hundred years. People didn't have an understanding of it. They're like, oh, you're super sad. Why? Um, you know, in our cultural Christianity culture, um, in our seeker-friendly culture, you know, there's some very important narratives that are supposed to be told, right? This is what I grew up in. One, you had to be happy if you were a Christian. You had to be filled with joy, right? All the time. Super important all the time, at least when you're outside. Two, you better have it together. Golly, was this one preached at me. You got to have your life together. You're a Christian now. You got to have it together. You better let everybody know you got it together. Um, my favorite reference, and this is from, <laughs> this is from the, King Le Le the King LeBron, if you will. <laughs> you got to be a happy, clappy Christmas. Happy, clappy Christian. Okay? Um, you've got to, and then publicly presentable. And I think a lot of us understand that one probably really well. Like, you can't go out publicly and, and you belong to a church as a member and, and look like a hot mess. Like, that was unacceptable. Okay? But, but here's the reality. This, this thought process completely screwed up an entire generation of believers. Like, we're a hot mess. You want to know why people don't want to come to church now? You want to know why COVID became the greatest excuse ever for the, half the church to leave? Because we all knew that this was nonsense. We knew it was nonsense. We knew that you get together on a Sunday morning and you put on your best face and enough makeup, you can hide any wound. And we trained people to do this. We were taught to do this. But the moment that things began to break down, you had nowhere to go. You couldn't show up to church. Lord knows you couldn't go to church if you were a hot mess. So you just didn't go. And if you don't go long enough, then you realize maybe I don't need this anymore. Maybe it isn't anything. And I'll be honest with you. I told a group of pastors this this week. I'm not shocked that people left the church because I grew up in the same kind of church as they did. And guess what? I'm not impressed. I'm not impressed. The Bible is amazing. And I read stories about Jesus and about the apostles and about people being healed, people coming to Jesus by the thousands, demons being exercised and people being raised from the dead and the lame walking. That seems amazing. People being filled with the Spirit. That seems unbelievable. And then I go to church and I'm like, I'm told that if I don't wear a button-up, if I don't have it together, if I'm not smiling hard enough, then I'm not a Christian. It doesn't equate. But here's the reality. This is my favorite part about this. It's like people don't read the Bible. I'm going to point you to a place. This is my favorite verse. When I'm a hot mess, I go here. Okay? It's in Matthew 26. Jesus has just had supper with his best friends. Right? Just had supper with them. And he goes to a garden because he knows that in the next couple hours, the worst thing that's ever going to happen to him is going to happen to him. He's a hot mess. So he goes to this garden. It says, Jesus came to them to a place called Gethsemane. And he told his disciples, sit here while I go and pray. Taking along Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, he began to be sorrowful and troubled. And he said to them, I am deeply grieved to the point of death. Remain here and stay awake with me. Have you ever felt that before? Have you ever been grieved to the point of death? 
Have you ever been just completely filled with sorrow? Guess what? So was Jesus. Turns out Jesus wasn't always happy clappy. Turns out Jesus wasn't always got it together guy. And he did it without sin. So we know depression is not a sin. Depression is also not a lack of faith. Boy, that one was preached. That one was preached. Oh, you don't have joy and happiness every moment of the day? You must not have your life in the right. You got to not be praying, right? Like, you got to not be reading your Bible. You got to just, your faith ain't enough. For over at least the last 50 years, we've correlated depression and lack of faith together. We just assumed. And, and the sad thing is, is there are people, many of them much like me, who just didn't have an understanding of faith or of depression and didn't have an understanding of what it's like to be that deep in despair. And so out of the best of intentions, they would whip out their favorite Bible verse, right? We know those people. Oh, you're going through a hard time? I'm sorry. Let me give you a Bible verse. That'll fix it, right? You know? And the sad thing is we didn't realize that in our best intentions, we were cutting the people who were already hurt. We were, we were drowning them even deeper into the depths of the sorrow and despair because we really weren't aware. We really didn't have an understanding of our own faith, much less theirs. And we understand this. This is, this is the reality. If depression really was a lack of faith, then we wouldn't see it pop up all the time with those whom we consider faithful. Right? We wouldn't see it in Noah and then in Jacob and then we wouldn't see it in Joseph and Saul and David and Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Elijah, Jesus. Hebrews 11 said it was counted to them as faith. It was counted to them as faithful. It was counted to them as righteousness. Yet these same men were drowning at times in their own despair. I mean, go read Psalms. You want to read a wild Psalm? We're going to read it in a couple weeks. Go read Psalm 22. When you get them up, we know Psalm 23. That's the shepherd one, right? The Lord is my shepherd. We know that one. Psalm 22 is what Jesus was alluding to on the cross. You go read that thing. <laughs> Woo! Deep. David writes that. And Jesus quotes it. Man, it, 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 will, it will give you words in places you didn't know you had needed those words. It is a deep, deep place that that, that psalm's written. So it certainly isn't a lack of faith. Depression's also not just a spiritual thing. It's not just a Jesus problem. I don't know about you guys. There was a time in my life where uh, I had a great disdain for the medical entity that is neurological medication. Um, I was, it was just how I was raised. I was raised if you give your kids medication, if you give people, if you're taking medication outside of like some basic stuff, um, maybe you just weren't praying hard enough. And I know that's weird and super backwards, okay? I don't mean, and, my, and weird things, my mom's a nurse, so I should have known better. But, you know, you have enough voices in your life telling you something. But contrary to popular belief, depression is not solely a perspective or a heart issue. Okay. It can and often is related to physical illnesses. We don't live in perfect bodies. And within our bodies, we carry all kinds of problems. You know, some of those things are mild, like arthritis. Some of those are self-inflicted, like a broken, like we tear an ACL or something, right? Or we don't eat well. 
But we also have things that we can't explain because of just the broken nature of what we live in. Things like cancer, things like mental illness, things like depression. What is completely strange to me and things I didn't even, I didn't even realize this until going on a journey about my daughter and her, some of her issues is how little with all the technology we have and we've got a lot and it's improving every year. We know almost nothing about the brain. We're, it's, they're guessing. They can tell you that it works. That's about as close as they can get. It's like this works, but we don't know why, how, or when. I mean, it really, it's just trial. They're just throwing, and it's, and it's crazy to think this. But I've also seen the evidence of, man, like, some of this is God's goodness. I, I used to struggle with this because I, there was a reality of, you know, is this, is this real faith? You know, like, shouldn't we be praying to God for all healing? And I had a missionary, he's, I call him a friend, um, I don't know him well enough to be a friend, but I think if we knew each other really well, we would be friends. His, Nick, his name is Nick Ripkin, and I've got the pleasure to be, talk to him and his wife. He's a famous missionary, some of you may or may not know him, um, but he's a famous missionary. And he was talking about miracles in one of his books. And he says, which one is more of a miracle? The fact that God can heal a leg, a broken leg in the middle of a, 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 you know, a jungle, where they have no access to medical stuff, or the fact that I can get on a plane, be flown 30 minutes to a hospital, and have emergency heart surgery here. It's like, why is one a greater miracle than the other? It's like God allowed for one and allowed for the other. He's like, yes, we get it. One of these is extremely supernatural. But he's like, it doesn't lessen the value of the other one. God had to bless people with technology, knowledge, access, wisdom, a steady hand to do these things. And it began changing my mindset on that as well. We don't live in an either-or reality. And I think that's, we've talked about that before. We live in a, the tension of and, right? <laughs> we live in a world where both good and evil can exist. We, we live in a world where God calls us to, to love our neighbors and stand up for the truth. Like, we don't live in, in absolutes. There are many people who struggle with depression, and, and yes, they need our prayer, and yes, only Jesus can heal them, absolutely. But yes, God also has given them access to medication, to professional counselors, and that is part of his plan. It is not the sole plan. I know plenty of people who have been on depression medications, and they're still awful people, you know, still sin-filled. They may not be as depressed. And, I, and I've heard, and, and I haven't personally experienced, but I, I've seen the effects, personally, of what prayer can do in the life of a depressed person. It doesn't make one better than the other or wronger than the other. It, God has given us both. And he's given us minds to discern. And he's given us his spirit to lead and guide and love people. Because at the end of the day, that's what we're really called to do. So what really is depression? Well, First and foremost, I'll say this, depression is painful. That's the first thing I think we have to really grab. Because I don't think if we don't have compassion, like if we don't have experience with depression, um, it, it's kind of like trying to describe color to a blind person. How do you do that? I, was, I, I have no idea, right? 
you just, when you don't have experience personally with something, it is really hard to wrap your head around. But what we can, I can tell you that we all can relate to this. It's, it's painful. And we know pain. We know emotional pain. Everyone here has experienced the heartbreak. Everyone here has experienced grief. And some of our heartbreaks are mild, like if your football team doesn't do well. And some of our heartbreaks are excruciating and atomic, like losing someone you love. There, there are painful experiences that we endure. And so, and it's interesting because if you do a Bible search of like the word depression, you might find it in some of the newer contexts. You won't find it at all, I don't think, in the King James. But because we understand that depression is painful, a better category for it is depression is really suffering. And the Bible talks a lot about suffering. Suffering is something that we understand. And so I wanted to just give you some categories about this. Like, what does the Bible say about suffering? And, and, and as we think of suffering, think of it as depression. Like, what is the Bible saying about this? One, we will experience suffering. You are going to. It is, it is expected. There are people who will experience depression. It's part, of, it's part of our experience. I take you to... Oh, sorry, I went to the wrong one. I take you to the verse we started with today, right? You will have suffering in this world. These are the words of Christ. You will have suffering in this world. But here's the hope but be courageous, I have conquered the world. Now, what does that mean? Does that mean that Jesus is going to come into your life and conquer your depression today? Man, I will pray for that. Lord knows, we will get a team right here. If you're struggling with that, we will put hands on you, we will pray for you, we will pray for God in an expectant kind of way to heal you. But that ain't what he's saying. He says, Jesus conquered this world. That means in this world you're going to deal with some suffering, but guess what we won't have? We won't have suffering forever. It's temporal. It's temporal. We leave that here with the rest of the stuff that we accumulated during our lifetime. Right? Those closets of clothes, that, that toolbox full of tools. Those things stay here and so does our depression. We have joy in the next life. But while we're here, we can expect that we are going to have to suffer. It's an expectation, but we have hope because it's not for an eternity. We have hope because it's not for forever. We have hope because we serve and follow a king who has conquered this world. The second thing is our Savior suffered. It's so easy for us to forget, and I think this is the one thing I think that really begins the cycle for depression, is that there's an isolation that happens. And in that isolation, it becomes... What becomes the loudest noise in the room is the pain that we're experiencing, the suffering we're going through. And, it's, and, it, and, it, and so in, those, and in that pain, and who here has been in pain before, right? Like, Lord, have you stepped on a Lego at 3 in the morning, you know? Like, there's nothing in your mind at that point except pain. And that's what pain does. It, it, it destroys, it can erode our character, <laughs> right? Um, as I used to hear growing up, it's like, boy, that, that'll test your faith right there, won't it? You know? Um, that's what pain does. And so what happens is the noise of the pain can drown out what we do know, which is that Christ suffered. 
Christ suffered. I want to point you to Hebrew 2.7. There's a lot of verses on this, but I like this one. Because within this one, again, I hope you leave hopeful. That's what I want you to leave. Hebrews 2, 17 through 18 says, Therefore he had to be like his brothers and sisters in every way, so that he could become a merciful and faithful high priest in matters pertaining to God to make atonement for the sins of the people. For since he himself has suffered when he was tempted, he is able to help those who are tempted. Boy, there, I could have preached a sermon on this whole verse. We could have been in here for an hour just tearing this thing apart. But I want to point at you. He had to be like his brothers and sisters. He had to suffer. Why? To be merciful and faithful. To be merciful and faithful. He suffered for us. He took on our sin. And he experienced every temptation, every pain, every grief, every sorrow. You read through the Gospels, you see Jesus angry, you see Jesus sad, you see Jesus cry, you see Jesus filled with compassion, you see his joy, you see his absolute grief and sorrow. You see him so sorrowful as to the point of death. He experiences the full gamut, the full experience of a human being so that he could help those who were tempted. When you're struggling, there's a hope. Because you serve a Savior who knows what you're going through. This isn't a God from a far-off land who has no idea what you're experiencing. This is a God who knows exactly what it feels like to walk in those shoes, to hurt in a way that's undescribable, to feel pain that feels unbearable, to feel like you're so far gone that there doesn't seem to be even a speck of light in the right direction. We serve a God like that. That is who we serve. And in our depths and in our sorrow, we have that hope. There's not a human being who can save you. And Lord knows there have been plenty of us on the side of the road who have died trying. I would give my right arm to relieve my wife of depression for the rest of her life. Without question, wouldn't blink. It's not my call. I don't get to make that decision. But I serve a king who knows everything she's experienced. I, know, I serve a God who knows exactly what it's like to be depressed and what you're feeling, and you're not alone. You're not by yourself. But lastly, God will work in us, through us, and for us in our suffering. God will do a work in you that's not always the verse you want to hear. I, in the midst of pain, we don't, it's hard for us to go, God's doing something in you through this pain. 1 Peter 4 gives us a peek into this. It said, instead rejoice as you share in suffering of Christ, so that you may also rejoice with great joy when his glory is revealed. There is no place we better reveal God's glory than in the midst of our suffering. It's just the reality. I'll tell you this. This is when I knew as a kid that the Bible probably might be real. <laughs> okay? I never questioned it. Uh, at least I didn't question Jesus. Okay? I questioned church people. I questioned the church itself. Uh, I had questions about the Bible. But I remember there was a row of old ladies. There was about four of them. They would sit up front every Sunday at my mama's Methodist church. And no matter what, they would be singing and worshiping every Sunday. 
But I was also in the, we only had one small group. It's a tiny church. I was downstairs when they had Sunday group that, in the morning before church, and I heard them pray about their son who had just died. Their granddaughter who was sickened in the hospital. Their husband who had passed away. Their physical illnesses. One of them was, you know, had stage four cancer. And then I would watch them worship, and I'm like, what is wrong with them? In fact, I'll tell you this, it scared me. I was like, I don't think I could be a Christian because I don't think I could do that. Because if God, how does God love them? If he keeps letting bad things happen to them. I, don't, I can't wrap my head around this. They're, they're like the most faithful people. Like of all the hypocrites that are walking on this earth, that are existing in this room, the four people that shouldn't have problems have problems, and they're the biggest problems. I didn't understand it. What I didn't understand was God was doing something in them. He was building a better version of himself. He was, he was allowing them to reflect his glory into the earth even more pure. And it was so evident that even a little seven-year-old boy who had attention deficit could barely sit still in the, in the pew could recognize him. It was that evident. God will use, will do a work in us. Secondly, God will comfort us. This, this is, I love this verse. It says, he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Death will be no more. Grief, crying, and pain will be no more because the previous things have passed away. Revelations tells us that we win. Jesus wins. And, th and there's a hope in that. There, there's an absolute hope. One day, every tear we cried will be wiped away. Every, every experience of pain all of our suffering, all of our tiredness and fatigue, all the straining will be gone. And we'll be left but in God's glory. And man, there is a hope in that. That yes, in this life, man, we're, we're going we're gonna to deal with some stuff. We're going to suffer, and we're going we're gonna to have to struggle, and it's going to feel overwhelming, but it's not forever. Jesus wins in the end. Jesus wins in the end. Last one is God will use us even in our pain, even in our suffering. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort. For he comforts us in all of our afflictions so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any kind of affliction through the, through the comfort we ourselves receive from God. As much as I don't like it, having walked through the valley of depression after losing my father, it has given me a unique opportunity to care for those, to comfort those, to encourage those who've also lost their father. Do I like it? No. <laughs> Would I have chosen it? Absolutely not. But that's what's so amazing about God is that none of our pain happens for nothing. There's value there. God uses all things for his good and purpose and yes I know some of you right now if you've dealt with depression it doesn't feel like it's useful but understand this now you have an opportunity to comfort others from a place of understanding and from a well that isn't your own because you can comfort them from the same way in which you found comfort which is in Christ you can encourage them and give them a hope, which can't be found here. There ain't no medication. They've not yet made a medication that has hope in it, okay? 
<laughs> they ain't figured that one out, and they won't. Can't put Jesus in a bottle. That's silly. But there's opportunities here to encourage, to comfort, to build up, and to walk with people who are hurting because you once were hurting. And so for me, I've always found that the, the most unusual and probable, to, for me, the experience of grace and mercy in that way has been unique. Because all I've ever wanted to be was useful. That's all I've ever really wanted to be. And it's not in the way I wanted, but it's in a way that only God can take credit for. Because only God can take the worst things about us, right, and use them for his good. And there's a hope there. So here's my, here's my closing today, and here's my encouragement as we quickly wrap up. I'm going to go ahead and have the, the worship team come up. As we go in to address this, there, there are two things that are really important. There's two groups of people here, specifically. There's a group of you, approximately 70%, based on Barner data, that don't really know what real depression is. And you're struggling because most likely you know someone with depression. And I want to I help you. I want to help you understand it. I want to help you wrap your head around it. I want to help you understand how you care for people. And I want to help you understand how you can have God's heart in regards to that. The other group of people are those who struggle with depression. And I hope you hear this, because I don't know if you have, but if you have not heard this, you are not forsaken. You are not less than. You are not unworthy. And your suffering is not a, a sign of your unfaithfulness or your sinfulness. And you suffer as Christ suffers. And that's the joy for you. And I know that you, in the midst of your depression, in the midst of that sadness and sorrow, that is a hard thing to wrap your head around. But I want you to know you don't have to suffer by yourself. Because you serve a king and a savior who knows exactly what you're going through. And he is with you. And he has not forsaken you. And he's going to use you and the pain you're going through to bring glory to his name. Because right now, this is the thing I've found. There's someone hurting right now that only you can speak into. There's someone right now going through something and you're the only person they know that can help them in a real meaningful way. Because you're the only person who can point them to Jesus. Because I can stand up here all day and be like, oh, you should talk to Jesus. But I'll be honest with you. I don't know what they're going through. Not really. Not in that way. But man, there's something about someone who's been down the same path you've been down. You can be that beggar who's showing them where the bread is. Thank you for listening to the River's Edge Church Podcast. We want to encourage you to like and follow so that we might reach others with God's good news. You can hear more messages like this at www.theriversedge.church. Have a blessed weekend.